1: Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're set to go against the spread on this week number five of the National Football League season, week number six in college football coming up. And with that, I want to welcome in our co-host Victor King from King Creel Sports. Victor, how are you doing this football season, and how is the family doing?
2: Family's doing good. Our NFL totals could be doing a little bit better. We're still struggling a little bit uh, overall. Tuco's a little down on himself. He's lost two weeks in a row for the first time in his young career. He's a little bit down, but he'll be okay. We did get a little bit of a bailout, though, with that Sunday night winner finishing with the winner in the last game of the week on the Sunday card with the Patriots and the Buccaneers going well under the total. I think we mentioned that on the podcast last week, so at least we bailed out there with a decent winner. But a good Saturday for us in totals plays with two under-the-total winners in uh, uh, the Middle American Conference. So uh, we'll take the Saturday. We're still working on the NFL, and I'm also sure people want to know how Mark's hot start has continued as we head into the new month of October. How about a Game of the Month winner in the Seattle Seahawks, a really nice way to end the first month of the NFL season with Mark's uh, Game of the Month winner in the Seattle Seahawks. It is. Uh, this is a uh, you know prototypical Mark play. You get a great division underdog uh, with a fantastic quarterback in Russell Wilson, and that was just a, a great way to finish the first month of the NFL season. We've got Mark at nine and one in the NFL for the year. Not quite as great on Saturday. Uh, one and two overall for Mark. Three star winner on Nevada. Three-star loser, Notre Dame, a game that was probably a lot closer than the score indicated. But the one that got us a little grumpy, I would think Mark would probably be in agreement, would be the Oklahoma game. A rare play for Mark to be laying double digits on the road with Oklahoma, but a game in which uh, at the two-minute warning, Oklahoma was actually covering with that field goal at the two-minute mark. However, it was a Kansas State 97-yard kickoff return on the ensuing kickoff. It kind of turned our winner into a loser and uh, made us a little bit grumpy in that particular play. I, I would think that that was kind of a bad taste in your mouth. Yes, Mark?
1: It was a taste I still have in my mouth, Victor. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and you know, the Sooners didn't want that to happen either because they're desperately in need of uh, picking up a, a win that looks decent on the scoreboard, and that really mm-hmm. didn't fit the bill for the Sooners. So I'm sure they were disappointed as much as we were. Uh, but nonetheless, You know, you take the good with the bad, and uh, those things all iron out in the end. And we know that just from having done this for many, many years. So no sense in crying over spilt milk. What we need to do is to uh, put some fresh milk in the refrigerator and start working on the card as it is coming up this week. Let me ask you this, Victor. uh, uh, Before I get to that, before I ask you this question, I'm going to run this by uh, our listeners out there, and I want to ask you about... uh, Uh, coaches that uh, may be potentially moving into the hot seat. But hold that thought for just one moment here. Uh, In college football, as we are right now at this stage of the season, out of our midweek alert, there are a total of 10 teams, only 10 teams of the 130 FBS teams that are clean 100% in the stats this year, meaning they've outyarded every opponent they've played thus far this football season. I'm going to give you this list of 10. Get your pencils out, and you'll be surprised at three of them because three of these teams have actually lost two times this year. Alphabetically, our perfect teams thus far this football season would be Arizona State, Coastal Carolina, the Florida Gators, Fresno State, one of those two-loss football teams, Georgia, Iowa State, another two-loss football team, Liberty, Ohio State, Purdue, the last of the three two lost teams, and SMU. Keep an eye out for these football teams because what we want to do eventually at some point later in the season is to play on these teams when they dress up as underdogs. But this tells us that these football teams are playing really, really good football right now. It might not show on the scoreboard, especially on the Buckeye side of things, but you can just see what's happening at Ohio State. They're getting better and better with each game that passes and they're going to end up probably being that team that will likely end up number two or three in the polls come college football playoff time now victor about those college football coaches that appear to be maybe assuming a warm position on the hot seat Uh, maybe maybe not knowingly to everybody out there but who do you see out there that could potentially find themselves in trouble sooner than later
2: One final note on ITS. It's probably the most valuable stat in the Midweek Alert Newsletter. ITS stands for in the stats, how that team does. And that's uh, mentioned on every uh, page two, the college stat rankings. Uh, Interesting that you mentioned 10 teams, considering there are 17 out of 130 that are still undefeated. But again, that's probably one of the more important statistical things that we do print in the Midweek Alert Newsletter. And, uh, Well, you mentioned it. there's a handful of coaches easily where maybe the romance is gone a little bit. They've gone maybe from beloved to besieged based on what's happened this year. Number one, a guy like Paul Chris from Wisconsin, he's a hometown kid. He came back as head coach. He won, what, 52 of his first 66 games for the Badgers? Now, all of a sudden, he's five and eight dating back to last year in his last 13 games, including one and three this this season. The offense for the Badgers has basically disintegrated 117th nationally in scoring, 123rd in pass efficiency. They don't have that typical sledgehammer running game to rely upon like they used to, and the mistakes kind of keep multiplying. Uh, His team is last nationally in turnover uh, margin. Uh, probably what will bring back the love for a guy like Chris, uh, the schedule. There's, they're playing a bunch of Big Ten West opponents, and a lot of times uh, that may work wonders for Wisconsin, as shaky as they have been. Uh, his team, uh, Paul Chris, could be favored in every remaining game this season except for Iowa. Uh, another guy we want to talk about down south is our buddy Ed Orgeron from LSU, the native Cajun, of course got his dream job. Back in 2016, he won the national title in 2019. But since then, since that uh, national title game, Orgeron is 8-7 and seven in his last 15 games with some ugly home losses to Mississippi State and to Auburn and even a 38-point home loss to uh, Nick Saban and company in Tiger Stadium as well. In fact, LSU is actually a rare underdog at Kentucky this particular week. The problem with Orgeron is he's always a, he's the CEO type of head coach, which basically means he's only as good as his coordinators, right, when it comes to uh, coaching up the talent. He's lost guys like what Joe Brady and Dave Aranda. Life was great without him, but without uh, without him, uh, LSU is uh, not doing so well here in 2021, and anything less than a 5-2 and two record probably the rest of the way will not be well-received. Of the four or five coaches I'm mentioning here, Orgeron is probably easily the one who's on the biggest hot seat, despite the fact that he's got his dream job there in LSU. Uh, Moving to the Big Ten, Pat Fitzgerald. Northwestern, the good old days. Southside Chicago native, former Northwestern hero. Northwestern becomes the winningest coach in school history. He's got basically a lifetime pass at Northwestern. He captured the Big Ten West title twice, I believe. Most recently last year. However, two and three winless against power five opponents and off a 56 to seven loss to Nebraska, in which they allowed 657 yards last week and 8.9 yards per play. In fact, uh, the problem, of course, is uh, two seasons after fielding his worst offense of his tenure, uh, he may now have his worst defense, uh, Fitzgerald. Uh, what will bring back the love for Fitzgerald? Uh, obviously, he's you know earned that basically coach-for-life status. But part of elevating the product is also elevating expectations. So they're going to need a few more wins, maybe making 500 the goal for the season for uh, Fitzgerald to gain a little bit of love back at Northwestern. Uh, another guy from Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher. You know, last year, Jimbo was... Uh, the king of the state of Texas, he led the Aggies to a 9-1 record. Their only loss was to national champion Alabama. They very narrowly missed making the playoff last year. They finished ranked fifth in the nation. Now, all of a sudden, it's been a rough year for Jimbo. A&M is unranked, and that's off of two consecutive losses to two teams many thought would be fighting for the basement in the SEC West, Arkansas and Mississippi State. Now it's the Aggies. They're the team that's last place in the division with, yeah, Alabama coming up next. The problem is they've scored, what, 42 points in three games against Power 5 competition. They have quarterback issues between Haynes King and uh, Zach Calzada. Uh, The defense is not helping much as well. What can bring back the love? uh, Let's at least show up in this game against the Crimson Tide. And after that, the schedule gets easier providing an opportunity for just a couple more wins, which is what they'll need. And finally, I'll wrap it up with a guy, Dan Mullen, out here in Florida. It's already been a weird season for Florida. We just talked to him to about, uh, about him a couple of weeks ago, Mark, in which we said, after that loss to Alabama, this is a team that can play with anybody in the country. Well, uh, in 2018, Mullen became the first Florida coach since the 1980s to lose to Kentucky, and then he did it again this last Saturday. I know Kentucky's a great 5-0 on the season, but that loss... Did not sit well with the Gator fans who are basically, you know, accustomed to having their way with Big Blue. The chances of repeating all but disappeared with that loss. And I say repeating as SEC East Championship. The problem is, you know, the players that they lost in the offseason your Kyle Trask, your Kyle Pitts, your Kadarius Toney. Mullins gotten very, very conservative offensively with his team. As a result, they're running the ball 59% of the time. He's not trusting his quarterbacks in the passing game what can bring back some of that love let's let's go for a 45 or 50 point outing this week against vanderbilt i think that'll certainly help and then of course you got those crucial games at lsu the cocktail bowl against georgia followed by what should be four more wins a hot seat for mullen i, I don't think so mark but he'll be fine once the kentucky related outrage wears off but there's a handful of coaches there where the bloom is off the rose a little and the hot seat is the uh, next thing that's uh, coming up for those coaches.
1: I like your point about Ed Ogeron uh, being surrounded by uh, really, really good coaching staff who does largely makes all the decisions. It's not Ed Ogeron and. That goes hand in hand with success in life you're only as good as the people that you surround yourself with and that is the case for him exactly and uh, you know like you say he's a native uh cajun and uh, he loves his job and uh, that being the case i would look for a big effort by lsu against kentucky who is elated after the win they had last week so keep an eye on that football game you're tuned in to mark lawrence against the spread the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show And with that, let's move over to the National Football League side of things, where things are beginning to warm up in the NFL. We've played four weeks of football, and after the dust has settled, only one team remains undefeated And it isn't the team anybody expected at the beginning of the year. That's the Arizona Cardinals who have been the big surprise in the league thus far this football season. And uh, everything's coming together quite nicely for Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury. I think Kingsbury was one of the head coaches that was on the hot seat to begin the football season. But at least he staved off those flames here for the time being, and we'll see exactly where it is that he settles. Uh, Victor, if you will, uh, let's talk a little bit about – I'll I'll share with you, you tell me some uh, football teams that have a losing record at this stage of the football season that you think will end up either with the winning record or make the playoffs, and I'll tell you some couple of teams that have winning records that I don't think will make the playoffs.
2: Well, let's talk about losing teams in the NFL, and first off, Mark, uh, there are two teams that, based on their point total differential, shouldn't be losing teams at all. I'm talking about uh, there are two teams who are one and three who have actually scored more points than allowed this season. Little more indicative than the 500 record, those two teams being the Patriots, who have scored more than they've allowed, and they're one and three on the year, and then the other team being the Minnesota Vikings, who have scored more than they have allowed, and they're one and three on the season. But if we're specifically talking about one and three teams with the best path toward the playoffs, it's a team I talked about in our very first show of the season, the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, we talked about the half that uh, the fact that They struggled in the first half of the year statistically from an ATS perspective and even with Frank Reich as coach and the fact that they're a great play on team in the second half of the season, not to mention they have the easiest schedule in the NFL in the second half of the season. Uh, It's a roster that should be able to overcome this ugly start. They're going to get healthy eventually. Carson Wentz showed a little bit of signs of life in that get right win uh, in Miami And the running game, of course, has a chance to be top-notch with Jonathan Taylor. You'd think that Frank Reich should get things around. Uh, The team should get healthier. Uh, My only concern is whether is Indy too buried. I I say not because it's not like Tennessee is running away with the division anyway. So maybe the Colts can keep it close until they get all the way healthy and the schedule eases out. And again, this is a team that's actually going to have some great value in the second half of the season. Uh, The one other team I would throw in there is uh, I got a sneaky feeling uh, on the New York Giants. Can they make some progress? I know it's a flawed team, but they do compete. The fact that they're still one of the NFL's best road underdogs over the last four seasons off a big win against the Saints last week shows that they can still compete on the road. And they caught some bad breaks, you know, in those losses. Against the uh, Washington football team and against the Atlanta Falcons, not to mention the offense. The offense is going to only get healthier and healthier. It already looks like uh, guys like Saquon Barkley and-, and Kenny Galladay. They already look much healthier now than they did in September. So I would submit to you, two teams to take a look at it would be definitely the Colts and quite possibly the New York Giants, Mark
1: there Victor the Colts a lot more was expected they were a banged up injured football team and we'll see where they can come when health works in their favor and the New York Giants Daniel Jones does appear to be getting better with each passing game so and they live in that NFC East where the Dallas Cowboys look to be the prohibitive favorite at this time but Dallas can still be Dallas and that could open things up for other teams inside the division as far as two football teams that I see on the docket this year so far that have winning records that I think will, will not make the playoffs, or I wouldn't be surprised, I should say, if they do not make the playoffs, the first would be the Denver Broncos, a football team that uh, got off to a great 3-0 start, albeit against three teams that were all winless. Uh, after three weeks of the football season. And it caught up with them in a big way against Baltimore last week. It just shows that you're only as good as the company you keep and end up biting the Denver Broncos in the end. Now, with Teddy Bridgewater in concussion protocol, they're going to need him in the lineup because Drew Locke is not the answer. Drew Locke is the reason Teddy Bridgewater was brought to Denver. And unless uh, Teddy Bridgewater finds his way back under center, things could end up spiraling out of control for Denver so keep an eye on the Broncos at this stage of the season the other I would put the Las Vegas Raiders on that list as well the Raiders are another football team that opened up the season like the Denver Broncos with a perfect 3-0 start and then maybe perhaps the real Raider team showed up Monday night against the LA Chargers they put on an absolutely pathetic performance Especially in the first half of the football game, when they gained less than 80 yards of total offense in the contest and were never ever in the football game until they scored two times in the third quarter. And all of a sudden, the people that had the Raiders, like I, suddenly got reinterested in the Monday night football game. But uh, when push came to shove, they ended up losing that football game and got outstated in the contest by 167 yards. That may be a, more of a barometer of who exactly they are, as opposed to where they are going. Just this one little quick note before we head to break here: uh, We are the playbook newsletter. Victor mentioned here has been absolutely on fire this football season. Our star-rated best bets are twenty-two and five on the year for fifty-nine point seven units of profit. And a good friend in our office, uh, Jeff, put together the nfl margins that are projected in the newsletter this is for every nfl football game that the newsletter has projected a margin on and if you take a look overall on every football game the newsletter has gone 42 21 and one against the spread in the nfl thus far this football season so it's been a really really strong start to the football season especially on the nfl side of things and i would encourage listeners out there if you haven't done so yet Pick up your copy, subscribe to the Playbook Football Newsletter from now through the Super Bowl. It will be the best move you'll make this football season. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I, we're going to tear apart our college football game of the week. and That's a big, big football game. What used to be the Red River Rivalry. Now the Red River Shootout, no, make that the Red River Showdown. They've changed that name three times here in the past five years, and we'll tell you why, and we'll tear that game apart when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread.
3: The only football newsletter in America devoted exclusively to NFL over-under totals. The totals tip sheet is a must-read if you're serious about adding extra income to your bankroll this football season. Get exclusive insight on the overs and unders from Victor King. The NFL totals guru. And enjoy the winners. You're listening to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Now, back to the action.
1: Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King as we go against the spread on this week's college and pro football cards. And it's time for our college football game of the week. And we've got a beauty on tap, an annual rivalry game. As I mentioned before the break, we used to call it the Red River Rivalry. Then they changed it to the Red River Shootout. But that was politically incorrect because of guns and the shooting situations. So they changed it to the Red River Showdown, which is where we're at today. Nonetheless, it's still Texas and Oklahoma, always a big, big football game being played in the Big D. Victor, how do you see this big showdown between Texas and Oklahoma shaking out this Saturday?
2: You know, if you really want to see a Red River shootout, I recommend the John Wayne movie, Red River. It's easily one of my top 10 John Wayne uh, movies. And it's got Montgomery Clift in it and Walter Brennan in it, 1948, produced, directed by Howard Hawks. It's a fictional account of the first cattle drive from Texas to Kansas along the Chisholm Trail with plenty of shootouts. So that's where we're going to go for our shootout. But for the showdown, we're going to head to the Cotton Bowl this week in Dallas, Texas, 12 noon Eastern. Number six, Oklahoma, number 21, Texas. We're right around a uh, field goal in terms of margin. Oklahoma opened four and a half. They're down to like three and a half. There's a couple of threes over there. Over underline has come down a couple of points. I'm showing that it opened at 65 and a half and it's down to 63 and as we record the podcast on wednesday afternoon so based on the line and the over underline the predicted final score is oklahoma 33.5 texas 30.0 that's what the implied score in the game is both teams come in with three and two over under records on the season that's three overs and two unders both teams are also one and one over under in conference play we've got to oklahoma at what 38.4 points per game that is number 16 scoring 19 points allowed per season oklahoma playing with some good defense particularly in some of the non-conference games this season it's texas is the one who has put up the gaudy offensive numbers this season at what 43.8 points per game that's the number six scoring offense in college football, four hundred and seventy-three yards per game. That's the number twenty overall offense for Texas. Their average uh, line fifty-nine point three, average score sixty-seven point eight. The average Texas game has gone under. Excuse me, has gone over by more than a full touchdown by plus eight point five points per game. Uh, it's been a pretty high-scoring series between these two teams, particularly in the last four uh, years. Uh, last 10 meetings have gone 5-5 five and five over-under with an average of 69.4 combined points per game. However, the last four meetings have averaged 10 points higher, 79.5 points per game in the last four years between these two teams. And, of course, that includes that overtime shootout last year when both teams had 897 combined yards of offense and 98 total points so it's been a high scoring series that appears to be getting a little higher by the year and it's one of the reasons that we do like the over in this particular game uh, another reason is the fact that you know as good as texas's numbers have been this season they're actually better when they have settled on Casey Thompson as quarterback. In fact, in his three starts as quarterback, they've averaged the Longhorns 558 yards per game of total offense. And in three games as quarterback 53.3 points per game for Texas with Thompson at quarterback. They've finally settled on him. And I know it's been a down year slightly for Lincoln Riley and his offenses, but they don't stay down for long. Have they struggled a little bit? Yes. Spencer Radler, maybe he's not quite looked like the Heisman front runner that he was hyped to be during the offseason. But despite that, they're still averaging 6.4 yards per play. Uh, so with that said, I think I think there's value. We should be able to get to 70 or more points in this game. More like a final score of like 37-34, which would put this game over by about a full touchdown. So we'll take a look at the Red River Showdown to go over the current number of 63 and a half, Mark.
1: He looking for some points in the scoreboard between Texas and Oklahoma in the big showdown game this Saturday. Looking at this matchup here, it's been a long, long time rivalry. Texas owns the edge in the series, 62 wins, 48 losses, and five pushes, uh, if you will. Uh, you can also take a look here. They're also 3-9 and nine to the spread. Texas is in their last 12 games, head-to-head games against the Oklahoma Sooners. So the Sooners have rang the register with a lot more frequency of late here in this Red River showdown. Their new head coach, Steve Sarkisian, has sparked the horns here. They have seem like a revitalized football team thus far this football season, and there are a lot of people, a lot of sharps out there that do like the Longhorns in this football game. They are playing with triple revenge exact in this contest and uh, in big 12 games texas when they do dress up with triple revenge exact three losses in three years not a long streak longer streak than that they're just one in five to the spread trying to erase that oklahoma comes into this contest on a 13 game win streak that's the second longest in the nation only to alabama not a very popular team this year because they burned the money in all four of their line games against FBS teams thus far this football season here. And in fact, when they do play games when coming off three consecutive point spread losses, Oklahoma has won 19 straight times straight up and gone 15-4 and four to the spread. When they take on a winning team in these games, they're a perfect 13-0 straight up and against the spread. And talking about coming off spread losses, Lincoln Riley, the head coach for Oklahoma, when he is off a straight-up points, or I should say an ATS loss, he is 23-3 and three straight up. Now, I'm supposed to be on Texas in this football game for a couple of reasons. And supposed to is the key word. Supposed to because in our Playbook Football Preview Guide magazine, we use Texas as one of our point spread power plays, play on Texas against Oklahoma. Supposed to because Oklahoma dresses up as a 5-0 and o fat cat this week, and that's outlined in the smart box in this week's Playbook Football Newsletter. And uh, just a quick Cliff Notes version of that, if you open up the season 5-0, and o, if you're favored in Game 6, you struggle, you struggle rather mightily. That's the role for Oklahoma in here. But I will say this, they may be a 5-0 and o fat cat, but they're a real skinny fat cat because they're not beating the spread. They're not very popular right now. And there's a lot of value to Oklahoma in this football game, value to the point where the line on this game in Vegas before the season began was Oklahoma minus 14. Today, you're getting more than 10 points of value to the Oklahoma Sooners who are looking in the worst of way to come off the schneid to impress people and yet still remain undefeated. I think they'll do just that against the uh, Longhorns on Saturday. I like Oklahoma minus the points against Texas in the big Red River red river showdown on saturday don't go away guys when we come back victor and i going to tear down our nfl game of the week we got a rivalry contest on tap then we're going to hop out to las vegas to get the vegas vibe from our good friend andy isco that and a whole lot more to come here on mark lawrence
0: against the spread all new playbucks tokens are here earn rewards and get up to $100 in free playbucks tokens to use as you choose and with your playbucks tokens you can use them for playbook experts picks and selections plus you earn 20 percent in free bonus tokens when you do if you haven't got your $100 in free playbucks tokens do so now you're tuned into mark lawrence against the spread and now let's throw it back to mark
1: All right, guys, let's get to it. Our NFL Game of the Week on tap this week. We're going to hop out to the NFC East side of the equation where the brand of football has improved immensely in the NFC East this year. And with it, we're going to feature the New York Giants taking on the Dallas Cowboys in a big divisional showdown in the Big D on Sunday. Victor, how do you see this division duke out shaking up?
2: Well, this is interesting, Mark. Check this out. In both of our highlight games this week, They're both in Big D, Dallas, Texas. Of course, the Sooners and the Longhorns playing in the Cotton Bowl for the college game. And now we're talking about the Giants and the Cowboys, also in Big D at Jerry's World. So we better wear our 10-gallon hats and put on our Cowboy boots because we're going to be in Big D all weekend long for this game as well. The late afternoon start, Giants and the Cowboys. Cowboys take it around a touchdown over underline opened at 49 and a half it's done nothing but gone up 52 is the number i'm seeing right now again as we record the podcast on wednesday afternoon and yeah that's a high number 52 so based on those two numbers again the implied score in the game is dallas 29 and a half new york giants 22 and a half it's a series that has been pretty high scoring as of late for the last five meetings have gone over the total an average of 58 two combined points per game. On the season, the Giants are two and two over under Dallas is three and one. Uh, despite the fact that they're only one month into the season, there are a couple things we can decipher. For instance, the Giants might be two and two in the season, but their two home games went under only 35.5 points per game. And their two road games went over the total, 53.5 points per game at Washington. And at the Saints last week. I'm a little gun shy about, you know, still playing a Giants game over the total because for a good four or five year period, the Giants have been easily one of my top three or four favorite under teams to bet on in the NFL. But things do change, and if you are gonna be do it, you should do it when the Giants are playing on the road than at home because they just seem to be playing a Better brand of football on the road. Maybe they're not dealing with distractions. They're not dealing with some angry home fans. But if you do want to consider a Giants game over, the road would definitely be the way to go. As I mentioned, Dallas is 3-1 over under on the season. I'm going to excuse the 20-17 game against the L.A. Chargers for Dallas. I'm going to say excuse because of the fact that the Chargers have allowed a season-low point totals in all four of their games this year. That's how good that Chargers defense is. So you throw that game out and Dallas is a perfect three and out to the over in their other games, all three games went over a combined 60 points with an average of 62.0. Here's another one for you. In the last three seasons in division home games, the Cowboys have gone six and one to the over. They themselves have scored 41.7 points per game uh during this three-year period and that's going to take us to our boy tuco we're going to play this game in tandem with tuco's play this week which is a team total in which he'll be playing the cowboys over their team total of 29.5 points as far as the game goes mark i'm going to uh, recommend a very slight opinion on the over but the line is kind of out of the uh, range of value at 52 right now plus I don't know if I can quite trust the Giants yet to score 23 or more points in this particular game. We're not ready for that trust yet as far as the Giants go. But we are ready to trust the Dallas Cowboys will score 30 or more points this week. In fact, like I just said, it's Tuco's team total. And if they can score 36 points against the number one defense in the entire league, and that's the Carolina Panthers, then 30 or more points against the Giants should be pretty much a walk in the park. In the last two seasons, NFL home favorites of a field goal or more who scored 35 or more in each of their last two games, like the Cowboys, have averaged 33.8 points per game. This is also Dallas's third straight home game in a row. Teams get into a really good scoring groove uh, with that relaxation of that third home game in a row. And I've got something out of the database as well. Uh, NFL teams playing in their third straight home game have averaged 34.4 points per game. If they won each of those first two games, and they did, Dallas beat Philly. Dallas beat Carolina, 41 to 21, and 36 to 28, respectively. Uh, as I mentioned, the series has been high scoring. As I mentioned, Dallas is averaging 41.7 points per game on their own as a team at home versus all division opponents over the last three years that makes this one easy we'll pass on the total the game total but we're going to join tuco and play the dallas cowboys over their team total of 29 and a half points
1: tuco is going to ride over the total in this football game on the dallas team total in this football game over 29 and a half points for Victor's side in the football game he's riding along with tuco in this football contest we mentioned the New York Giants, and Victor says about how they had done all their over-under damage on the road, largely. Well, they've also done a lot of their ATS damage on the road. The New York Giants, the best road team in the National Football League, when taking points 18-3 and against the spread. The last 21 times the Giants have gone on the road and been a road dog, including 7-1 the last eight in division play. The Giants also happen to be a perfect 7 and0 to the spread on the road coming off a road game. They have allowed, however, 400 yards in three of the last four football or three of their four football games this year so that defense is going to have to shore things up against what is perceived to be a potent Dallas Cowboy offense. The Cowboys come in here having won three of their four football games this year, taking down the money all four times. They're also 9-2 to the spread, Dallas, in their last 11 home football games, so they're starting to heat things up at Jerry's World. They've also, in a sense, if you take a look at this, they've held their last two opponents to season-low yardage marks thus far this football season, so the Dallas defense is starting to chip in along with what we're seeing from production from the offense, but let me say this, this Cowboy resurgence is not all that it seems to be under healthy Dak Prescott. And I say that because if you look at Dak Prescott, you take a look at his last three football games, he has not thrown for 240 or more yards in any of his last three football games. I don't know if he's 100% back, but I know the football team is rejuvenated behind him. With that, I'm going to grab the points with the road dog hungry New York Giants in this football game and look for them to go to 19-3 and 3 to the spread, taking points on the road. Give me the points of the Giants for my side in this football game. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, let's hop out to Las Vegas to get the Vegas vibe from our good friend Andy Isco, the owner of TheLogicalApproach.com in Vegas. Andy, how's everything going for you thus far this football season?
4: Mark, good to be chatting with you again, and uh, so far it's been a good start to the season. Started off a little slow in the colleges, but that's picked up the last three weeks or so. And the NFL has been solid really since uh, uh, since week one, so it was a very good first quarter of the season, or almost first quarter of the season, because uh, four does not go into 17 evenly as it did in years past with the additional schedule uh, the the Lengthened schedule this year with 17 games. But for all intents and purposes, the first quarter of the season is over. Answered a lot of questions that we had coming into the season, but raised a whole bunch of new questions about what we are seeing unfold thus far this season. So I'm looking forward to the balance of the season starting with Week 5.
1: Visiting with Andy Esco from TheLogicalApproach.com, publisher of The Logical Approach football newsletter. Get your hands on a copy this week, guys. Andy, in this week's issue, he divulges the X Factor. Or tries to divulge the X-Factor, I will say, because it's a very complicated process. But you can read all about it inside TheLogicalApproach.com to put an added bullet in your arsenal this week. Log on at TheLogicalApproach.com and pick up Andy's football newsletter this week. And with that, Andy, I know that a lot of dust was uh, up in the air and settled last week in the major contests in Las Vegas. How did things shake out in both the Super Contest and the Circa?
4: Okay, Mark. First of all, let me see. I try to explain something that is often considered unexplainable or inexplicable as far as using statistics to handicap uh, the NFL and college football. Hopefully, I did a good job, and most people will be able to clearly see through the examples exactly what I'm talking about. Not a very difficult calculation to make, but one that I think folks will find useful and say and shake their head and say, yeah, kind of makes sense. Yeah, I think so. Anyway, uh, getting to the contest, let's start with uh, the uh, Circa contest. The first quarter of the season ended. And I know both uh, you and yours truly were in contention. Uh, fell a little bit short, but uh, the uh, uh, the first quarter went to uh, uh, five contestants tied with a really uh, amazing record of 18 and two ATS over the first 20 selections. And of course, that also leads the full season contest. Each of those five contestants did pick up slightly under $50,000 as the prize pool, uh, which was originally $225,000 for the top three finishers, combined in the quarterly contest, that amount got augmented by the amount by which the entry fees exceeded the $4 million guarantee. It took a a late run to reach that goal, but there were 4,087 entrants. They needed 4,000, so the $87,000 gets split amongst uh, the first place finishers in each of the four quarterly contests. And as I mentioned Five contestants actually tied for that first place, so they had a nice payday to uh, uh, start the season. I guess you could say they are playing the rest of the season with house money. Good position to be in. Uh, at 17 and three, there are 19 contestants. 69 contestants at 16 and four, 166 contestants at 15 and five, and 288 contestants at 14 and six. So that. 547 out of the 4,087 entries are hitting 70% or better through uh, the first five weeks of the season. And that works out to about 12.5%, about one-eighth of the field. A little bit more than one-eighth of the field is hitting at 70%. That's impressive regardless of the size of the field. Uh, the consensus last week uh, went three and two. It entered the week at nine and six. So for the season, twelve and eight for the top five consensus plays. The most popular uh, play this week, uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks, which was a loser. They had thirteen forty-seven of the four thousand plus entries on Tampa Bay laying six. That selection lost. The second most popular selection, Seattle Seahawks. They had eleven seventy-three. A little bit more than a quarter of the field took the Seahawks plus the three. Didn't need the three, they won and obviously uh, covered. The third most popular selection was also a winner, the Baltimore Ravens, who went into Denver trying to show if Denver was uh, was for real or if Maybe a beneficiary of a very soft early season schedule, and Baltimore did make a statement. One thousand and nineteen were on the Denver Broncos. That was a winning selection, and then the uh, uh, the number four selection, the Minnesota Vikings, nine hundred and eighty versus six hundred and eighty nine on Cleveland. So that was not as lopsided as the other uh, selections were. Minnesota Viking Vikings lost uh, outright. As a uh, well, they were about a one and a half two point underdog. They lost uh, fourteen to seven. A very competitive defense of game, uh, so that was a losing selection. And then the num- number five selection was Monday night, where the Chargers were about a 2-1 to popular choice, 962, laying three points in uh, the Circa contest. That was a winning selection that comprised the 3-2. and two. As far as the Circa Survivor goes, that's the uh, winner-take-all. Uh, pick one team a week straight up. There are actually 20 weeks in the contest, as I've explained in the past. Thanksgiving and Christmas, comprising the two extra weeks with three games uh, comprising those short weeks. Uh, just over 4,000 entries uh, entered the contest at $1,000 each. That means $4 million was raised, but there's a $6 million guarantee. Uh, so the uh, it's a very solid overlay for those who did enter. There's also a million-dollar bonus if you are alive going into the 20th week of the season and you pick either of last two Super Bowl uh, participants, Tampa Bay or Kansas City, and if they happen to win to to uh, complete a perfect 20 survivor uh, contest, meaning, meaning that you would have picked 20 of the 32 teams over the course of the season. That's another million-dollar bonus. There are some people who might, uh, uh, for example, last week or more likely this week with the game against Miami, Miami may say, uh, we're going to go with Tampa Bay and forego the potential at a million-dollar bonus because, hey, we need to make it to 19-0. We're not sure that we're going to get there. Let's use Tampa Bay, who has, happens to be the largest and only double-digit favorite at home This week against Miami. Anyway, 2,917 contestants remained alive going into week four. 584 of them came up short, leaving 2,333 remaining entering week number five. Uh, The uh, top selection, the Buffalo Bills, that's not surprising. A little bit under, uh, well, a little bit more than two thirds of the field took. Buffalo this week eleven hundred and thirty three uh, they uh, they won their game handily against Houston the Cincinnati Bengals who played Thursday night at home against Jacksonville second most popular team was picked by a nine hundred and forty two contestants so two thousand seventy five of the twenty nine hundred seventeen survivors entering week four picked. only two teams Uh, the the losing teams this year the biggest loser the New Orleans Saints upset by the Giants uh, that eliminated 409 contestants 151 were eliminated by Tennessee's overtime loss at the New York Jets Uh, the Miami Dolphins eliminated four contestants Uh, the Minnesota Vikings eliminated one and inexplicably 19 contestants failed to submit a selection and by rules of the contest and quite obviously they were eliminated so 2333 remain alive in the Circa Survivor entering Week 5. Over to the Westgate where their two contests are the Super Contest Classic. That's the $1,000 entry fee and the Super Contest Gold, which is the $5,000 winner-take-all entry fee. As mentioned before, the Super Contest Classic lowered its entry fee this year from $1,500 to $1,000 to compete entry fee-wise with the Circa. Uh, But most importantly, they eliminated the 8% rake, which in the past sent $120 of every uh, Fifteen hundred dollar entry fee uh, to uh, corporate profits, and that discouraged a lot of contestants, and that's why we saw a huge drop off last year. Part of that drop off increased this year as we went from about twelve, thirteen hundred last year to a shade under two thousand uh, this this season. Uh, the consensus entered last week six and nine against the spread. Well, that also went three and two this week. Seattle. The second most popular selection, Baltimore's number three, and Kansas City Chiefs, the number five most popular selection, all covered the spread. The two losers were the number one selection, the Tampa Bay Bucks, and the number four selection, the Minnesota Vikings. So that three and two brings the record to nine and eleven this year for the Super Contest Classic uh, consensus. In the Super Contest Gold, the selection was also uh, three and two. Seattle and the Jets, the top two selections there, uh, they both won as. Was the number five selection of the New York Giants? The two losing selections, the Las Vegas Raiders, and Monday night they were the number three selection, Minnesota, uh, the number uh, fi- uh, number four selection. So that uh, consensus, which was seven, eight, and one, entering week number four, because there was a tie for the fifth most popular selection. I believe it was week three. That's why there are sixteen uh, results as opposed to the expected fifteen. Three and two makes the results for the year exactly five hundred ten. 10 with one push. Uh, by the way, just to let people get some idea of the context of the Super Contest Gold $5,000 entry fee, only 87 contestants uh, this year. So the number one selection, uh, Seattle, only 39 out of the 87. That's still uh, about uh, 40-something percent. So a pretty hefty percentage of the field use the Seahawks as one of their uh, selections. The Jets, 34 so also a high percentage of the field not uh, uh, not quite half but uh, a significant percentage of the 87 as far as the standings go two contestants in the super contest classic are at 17 2 and 1 one contestant at 17 and 3 one contestant at 16, 3, and 1. And then we start getting a few more contestants tied. 11 at 16, and 4. All the way down to 28 at 14, 5, and 1. So 89 contestants uh, hitting uh, at, uh, uh, what would that be, 72.5% or higher through the first four weeks of the contest. Super Contest Gold, a two way tie for the lead at 14, 5, and 1. Two more contestants, half game back at 14, and 6. One at 13, 6, and 1. Four at thirteen and seven, five at twelve seven and one, and at exactly sixty percent twelve and eight seven contestants, so of the eighty seven contestants twenty one are hitting sixty percent or more, uh, which is uh, a little bit less than a quarter of the field, but what's happening in that circuit contest shows a little bit of just how the players have done this year. As I mentioned, 547 contestants at 14 and 6 through the first uh, uh, four weeks. And again, as I said at the outset, regardless of the number of entrants, even 7 out of 10 to hit uh, 70% would be very impressive. And here you've got uh, over 500 hitting that percentage. So that's where the contest stands as we enter week number 2 of the second three-week mini contest at the Westgate, week number 1 of the second quarter contest at the Circa, which runs weeks 5 through 9. So it's actually a, five, uh, a five-week contest. Uh, so uh, the first quarter and third quarter are four weeks, second quarter and fourth quarter are five weeks.
1: Andy Isco bringing us up to speed with what's going on in Las Vegas in the two major contests at the Superbook and the Circa. And with that, Andy, if you would do us a favor, I know our listeners like to know what some, uh, some of the advanced lines were looking like. Uh, if you would share your thoughts and your ideas on that some advanced lines as opposed to what perhaps maybe the lines might be this week.
4: Okay, I'll just mention a couple from last week where uh, we started giving out the advanced lines for Week 5 before the games of Week 4. There were some adjustments based upon uh, the play of this week. Uh, Tennessee, for example, had been a 7.5 point road favorite at Jacksonville uh, for this week's game. This was before Jacksonville gave that good effort at Cincinnati on Thursday night, and Tennessee laid an egg in losing to the then-winless uh, New York Jets. That line opened Tennessee 7.5 when it was reposted on uh, uh, Sunday afternoon after the Jets win. That line reopened at 3.5, so a four-point adjustment based upon those two results. The Tennessee game was uh, quickly bed up a little bit to the point where, as we are uh, doing this contest, the uh, Tennessee Titans are about a 4.5 favorite over uh, Jacksonville even a couple of four and a halves out there so bouncing back towards the open number but quite a distance uh, to go Denver opened a two point road favorite at Pittsburgh last week or was posted a two point road favorite when the game came up again on uh, Sunday afternoon despite poor performances for by both teams or perhaps uh, uh, a Deservedly so. The game actually opened Pickham uh, with Pittsburgh hosting uh, Denver. Move the other way. The New England Patriots were seven and a half point road favorites at Houston, following their game effort in the rain Sunday night against Tampa Bay and Houston's dismal effort at Buffalo. This game reopened at nine and a half New England. So a two point adjustment based upon that performance. Uh, the players so far thought it was a bit of an over adjustment by a half point. Uh, New England down to a, a nine point favorite. This one is is I guess a Bit surprising, Chicago at the uh, Vegas Raiders. Uh, the game last week, the advance line opened the Raiders a seven-point home favorite over Chicago, and of course Chicago had a, uh, a workmanlike uh, win last week against Detroit. The Raiders, uh, Raiders really never looked like they were ready to play Monday night at uh, uh, at the uh, Chargers. However, before that uh, Charger game on Monday night, on Sunday afternoon, the, instead of a seven-point favorite. Raiders opened four, and then despite the loss on uh, uh, Sunday, uh, excuse me, on Monday night, on Tuesday morning, the Raiders opened a five-point favorite. So uh, apparently, the linesmaker uh, may have thought it was too much of an adjustment uh, to have made seven down to four, and they. Even with the loss, they bounced back a little bit. Uh, those are basically the significant ones. One more: Dallas and the Giants, since I know you, or Dallas hosting the Giants, since you talked about that one in the previous segment. The advanced line that you could actually have bet last week: Dallas, an eight and a half point home favorite, despite their very impressive win uh, last uh, uh, Sunday over Carolina. Not quite as close as the final score could suggest. And despite the Giants' win in overtime or maybe because of the Giants' win in overtime, offsetting Dallas' performance, this game reopened and remains Dallas a 7-point home favorite. Looking now at the advanced lines for week number 6, the Thursday night, October 6th game, Tampa Bay at Philadelphia. Tampa Bay opened at 6.5 with a total of 52.5. Miami and Jacksonville will play in London. Uh, Miami opens a a 2.5 point New Neutral side favorite with a total 43 and a half. No line on the game between Houston and Indianapolis. Some injury concerns for mainly Indianapolis, uh, the reason keeping this game off the board. Chicago, with its uh, ages old rivalry against the Bears, will uh, be at Chicago. Green Bay opens a four and a half point road favorite, total of 46. Kansas City at Washington, Chiefs opened five and a half on the road, total of 54. Carolina opened a one point home favorite against visiting Minnesota, total at 48. Baltimore opens a three-point home favorite against the L.A. Chargers, traveling across country after a pair of uh, home games uh, at SoFi in Los Angeles. Total of 48. Cincinnati opens as a three-and-a-half-point road favorite at Detroit, the total 49. LA Rams are at the New York Giants, Rams six-and-a-half-point road favorites, total of 50. Uh, Cleveland, a three-point home favorite against the still-unbeaten Arizona Cardinals, that total is 53 and a half. Las Vegas will be at Denver, Denver a two-and-a-half-point home favorite, total of uh, 44. Dallas travels to New England where the Cowboys favored by one and the total 48. Sunday night game, Seattle at Pittsburgh. Seattle, a two and a half point road favorite, total of 48. And Monday night, October 18th, Buffalo will be at Tennessee. Buffalo opening a a two-and-a-half-point road favorite, total at 54, and if that number seems a little short, as it does to many, keep in mind Buffalo will be entering that game on Monday night after either a win or a loss at Kansas City this Sunday night in a game which could have major implications for the home field advantage and the number one seed in the AFC playoffs. Of course, Buffalo comes into that game with a one-game lead, so they could go up by two, and this and that win would give them the tiebreaker. At the same time, if Kansas City wins, Kansas City evens its record with Buffalo, and the Chiefs hold the tiebreaker. So it could be a letdown situation for Buffalo, perhaps explaining why they seem to be rather short two-and-a-half-point road favorites at Tennessee for next Monday night.
1: Andy Isco reviewing the advanced numbers of what we're seeing out of Las Vegas for the National Football League games on tap this particular week. And Andy, I know our listeners would love to know what you've got on tap this week because you've won each of your last three complimentary selections on the show here. Another straight up dog winner last week. What are you looking at this week?
4: I'm going to look at a total this week. I think actually in week one, I may have had that. I'm not quite sure. I thought I, had, I may have had the Chargers Washington under, but I may have uh, done differently on that one. I'm not quite sure. But nonetheless, the, uh, I like the Chargers and the Cleveland game to stay under the total right now, and apparently so do the uh, betters because this game opened at about 52, and even uh, last night when I was writing it up, uh, the total was down to 48. It's dropped a little bit more. Here we are on Wednesday, and it's down to 47, but I still think there's uh, leeway. I projected 44 points in this game. Uh, Both teams have uh, uh, solid offenses uh, with uh, Cleveland especially potent. With their running game, uh, with their dual head dual threat uh, running game, which often serves to uh, to slow the ball game down, lessen the number of possessions. Chargers also able to run the game, but the key to this game is that both teams have top ten defenses. Cleveland's is exceptionally well balanced. Uh, Cleveland number two overall. They rank number three against the run, number three against the pass. The Chargers have the number nine uh, defense in the league, not quite as balanced. They are number 29 against the run, so Cleveland could have even more success shortening the game. Uh, But uh, the Chargers, number five against the pass, which means that Cleveland should uh, try to exploit the Chargers' uh, rush uh, uh, vulnerability Uh, even though the Raiders were unable to do so on uh, Monday night. Uh, The strong running game, playing into the defensive weakness, could also make a good case for Cleveland in this game. I think that both are good situations, but I'm going to go with Cleveland uh, and the Chargers stay under the game. I think the move was right, so there has been some value taken out of this number, but again, I can see this game falling between 41 and 45, and those are both key numbers, with 44 in between also a key number so I can see this game still having some value in staying under because I think the line was about a touchdown too high when it first opened.
1: Andy Isco is going to go to the under in the Browns Chargers game this Sunday for his complimentary play on the show this week. Andy once again a great job bringing everybody up to speed on what's going on in Las Vegas for the football games this weekend. I'm going to wish you the very best of luck this week on your personal plays and your contest plays And we'll look forward to catching up with you next week here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread.
4: And I wish the same for both you, Victor, and all the listeners. Let's start the second quarter off in grand fashion as we're starting to get into the meat of the 2021 season. Best of luck to all.
1: Thank you. That was Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas from TheLogicalApproach.com. And don't go away, guys. Victor and I are going to put the final wraps on this show. When we come back, I'll share with you my awesome angle of the week my complimentary play and Victor King's complimentary play as well. We'll do all that when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. If you haven't
3: seen Andy Isco's The Logical Approach football newsletter, then you owe it to yourself to download this week's newsletter in time for the football games this week. Check out the new issue every week at TheLogicalApproach.com. See what winning football information is all about at TheLogicalApproach.com.
0: We're going against the spread with Mark Lawrence after this. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sportsbook online. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as in apple and g as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest. Only the best. Only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today.
3: To put a final spin on this week's show, let's do what Mark does best, his awesome Awesome. awesome angle of the week.
1: Okay, guys, let's get to it, our awesome angle of the week on the show this week, and we call it We're Not Gonna Take It Anymore. And what we're looking to do is to plan any college football home team that's coming off three consecutive losses, the last as a conference favorite, if they were a bowl team last year and they're facing an opponent coming off a win. So what we've got is a home team in an angry mood off three straight losses, the last being favored in a conference game. They were in a bowl game last year, and they're taking on an opponent that's nice and fat coming off a win. Since 1990, by playing against these road teams and playing on our college football home team, we are 15-5 against the spread. That's a solid 75% winning angle. They're also 18-2 straight up in this role, by the way. This week, we'll be playing on... Tulane against Houston on Thursday. Mark it down a special early game on Thursday when Tulane qualifies for our We're Not Going to Take It Anymore awesome angle on the show this week. And with that, let me hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports to find out what Victor's got on tap this week. And Victor, if you would share with our listeners out there your complimentary call on the card this week.
2: Can do, Mark. Definitely our Saturday College football totals plays. And Sunday, NFL Totals Plays they will be up at the website on by Friday evening. So make your way to playbooksports.com for this week's ends over under selections. And hey, don't forget the newsletters. Marker uh, 22 and 5 star rated best bets playbook newsletter, Totals tip sheet newsletter. Even the midweek alert newsletter has started off the season going 4-1-1 one, and one in their best bets through two weeks. Uh, check out one. Check out all three again at playbooksports.com. Uh, what I uh, liked during Andy's segment was the fact that he slipped up a little bit and called the Raiders the faders. I caught that, Andy, and you weren't you weren't wrong. You're right. Those Raiders are definitely faders, uh, particularly after that uh, Monday night game. And another thing, you know, Andy did was he stole my thunder a little bit because browns chargers under is also going to be our free play of the week as well but that's okay we can add some uh, fuel to the fire definitely and even back up andy's case a little bit more i started looking at this game monday morning when i was doing the research for the totals tip sheet and the over-under line was 49 and browns chargers i immediately made my wager at that line that was before the monday night game had even been played with the chargers and the raiders and then, as Andy mentioned, uh, after the game was played and they had a great defensive effort against the Raiders, the game came back out again on Tuesday at about 48 points. It's come down to 47. There's even a couple of 46 and a halfs out there in this particular game. I think you can still find a 47 out there. Is it the value you'd get if you bet it at 49 or. 50 or even 52? No, but there is still some value, and Andy's right about 44 and 45 being keen numbers in the NFL. So grab the 47 points. I mean, after watching the Chargers hold the Raiders to, what, 213 yards on Monday, we're convinced this defense is for real. This bend-but-don't-break Brandon Staley defense. They're one of only three teams to start the year with an O and 4 over-under record. All four of their games have gone under the total, and by a league-high average margin of minus 9.5 points per game. That means the Chargers games have gone under, on average, by just about 10 points per game. Not only that, but earlier in the show, I mentioned the fact that they've held all four of their opponents to league-low point totals. In Week 1, they held Washington to 16. In Week 2, they held Dallas to only 17. In Week 3, they held the Mighty Chiefs to only 24. And of course, they held Las Vegas to only 14 on Monday night. And Andy's right about Cleveland; they got a great defense as well. Now, allowing six points to the Bears, that's eh, no big deal. But going into Minnesota and holding the Vikings at home to 255 total yards and only six points—yeah, that's the mark of a good defense. So it makes perfect sense for this game to go under. It makes perfect sense that the fact the line has come down significantly. But yes. There's still some value on this. Uh, Here we go. Uh, Reduced rest for the Chargers off their dominating Monday night win. This has gone 90% under since 2014. Non-division home teams off a Monday double-digit win in which they allowed 14 or less points. That applies to the Chargers. I've got another query looking at Cleveland's point totals allowed over their last two games, and it's gone 0-7 over-under since 2011 non-division road teams like the Browns off back-to-back wins in which they allowed seven or less points. That applies to the Browns. Andy's also right about the fact that you can run on the Chargers. Cleveland might run the ball 40 times in this game, again, taking a lot of time off the clock. So I'm with you on this one, Andy. We'll definitely be going Browns-Chargers under the total along with our two earlier selections over the total with Oklahoma at Texas and of course, the Dallas over their team total of twenty nine and a half.
1: Victor is going under the Browns-Chargers game under the total, as is Andy. Both guys are on the same play this week. That's double ammunition for that particular football game. And I'll throw this in there, Victor. Also, the Cleveland Browns you mentioned have held. Or I mean, the Chargers have held all four opponents to season-low low points. The Browns have held three opponents to season-low yards this year. So, this game might have the aroma of a good underplay come Sunday. Before I get to my complimentary play on the card this week, I want to remind our listeners out there to check out the double first deposit special offer being offered at mybookie.ag. Simply make your first deposit at mybookie.ag and they'll double that deposit. Simply use the promo code playbook, that's promo code playbook, to get your double first deposit at mybookie.ag this weekend. I'm also utilizing this weekend My college football perfect system play of the year. The perfect system club has been on fire this football season. We are documented on our perfect system club plays at 16, two and one. Our college football perfect system play of the year goes Saturday. It's part of another $99 football weekend of winners or get it all this weekend. And the perfect system club play at no charge part of my October rim of five star special. Simply log on at playbooksports.com to take advantage of either offer or call the office toll-free at 1-800-321-7777. My complimentary play on the football card this weekend, we're going to stay inside the Big Ten Conference this week when the Nebraska Cornhuskers play host to the Michigan Wolverines. We're going to grab the points with Nebraska in this football game and fade Michigan, who is a featured 5-0 fat cat as we featured in our smart box in the playbook newsletter this week, they go out as a road favorite here. We note that their head coach Jim Harbaugh, when he's on the road off a road game in his college football career, he's just two and nine straight up and three and eight to the point spread, including oh and five straight up into the spread when coming off a road game. In Scott Frost from Nebraska, this he's a perfect 6-0 oh to the spread as a dog when coming off a straight-up and point spread win. We're checking all the boxes this week with Nebraska plus the points for our complimentary play on the football card this week. And that's going to put the final wraps on this edition of Mark Lawrence against the spread. I want to thank our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports, our good friend Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas from thelogicalapproach.com, Once again, this is Mark Lawrence, reminding you always to remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always.